Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Richard. Oh, I didn't hear him. Howdy. Hi. <laughs> Richard and Michael like to debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of any given topic. And this week is the Mount Rushmore of female rockers. Uh, I am the judge, but I am normally, but this week I'm the co-judge because on board we have actually a legit uh, rockin' musician, a, a, a young woman who's uh, been a good friend of mine for quite some time, who's played in bands and is a, a super cool, cool uh, co-judge. Please welcome to the podcast, Mickey Black. How you doing, Mickey? Hello there. I am doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We're very happy to have you here. Uh, Mickey, you've, you've uh, worked in various aspects of uh, the industry of entertainment. Uh, could you describe uh, what you've done and, and what you do and social handles for people to find you? Well, I kind of threw myself into everything I could entertainment-wise. Uh, musically, I've been a musician since I was little. And then I made it out to California and and got myself in a band playing guitar. I somehow got into modeling and acting stuff here and there, just, you know, playing around and kind of run the gamut on the whole thing. Awesome. Well, uh, we are very excited to have you and uh, here on the podcast. And I will say I've heard uh, Mickey Shred and she's awesome although very humble and always learning and uh, honing her skills. Um, so we are going to jump into the Mount Rushmore of female rockers. But first I want to ask, Mickey, did you ever set out to be a female uh, musician or just a musician? Well, back in the Stone Age, <laughs> when I first started, <laughs> um, actually there weren't many uh, female rockers, like especially guitarists. And I played lead guitar. So it was very few. And so I did set out to be a female rock musician. Yes. To make a point that... Uh... Absolutely. Yeah, because when I started playing, I was in uh, Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, and there was, uh, there was only a couple of us that even... There was only a couple girls that, that even played electric guitar. It was <laughs> that sparse. It was in the 80s, uh, the, like 87. No, 87. Yeah, that's when I started. Awesome. So uh, it was something in which you were trying to uh, raise awareness and that in this somewhat uh, male, the sausage party of rock and roll <laughs> had a yeah. lot of room for for kick-ass gals to come in. Yeah, I just, I, I wanted to make a mark and I wanted to play electric guitar. I also listened to mostly male-dominated rock and heavy metal see so that's kind of where that stemmed from so it wasn't initially it, i just happened to be a female <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? if i were a guy it would have been the same exact thing but i was like okay i'm a chick and i want to play the guitar and so right on i, I, I would I, love to as the conversation evolves to find out uh have you ever had any friction or any dudes kind of like or or gals uh in entertainment or rock have a problem with you being in that position no, not necessarily where I was, you know, kind of talked down to. I was getting hit on. <laughs> that that was kind of an issue sometimes. I felt like I might not have been, you know, there's an agenda 
you know, to some, yeah. but um, luckily I feel, I feel pretty, pretty good about how I've been treated in the industry. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, so I would love to talk more about what makes a female rocker a rocker. I would also just like to say that we try to be very woke bros here on the Mount Rushmore podcast. And part of this is to just draw attention to the fact that uh, women are very much a part of the entertainment industry, very much a part of music, and can very much rock and don't always get the uh, uh, optics that they deserve. So that's the reason for even uh, designating this topic, the Mount Rushmore of female rockers. So, uh, Edie, Meenie, Miney, Michael, you're going to go first with your first choice on Mount Rushmore of female rockers. What is it? Okay, uh, super. My first choice was uh, Susie Sue from the uh, band uh, Susie and the Banshees and the Preachers. I mean, it was pretty amazing that um, Susie and the Banshees were able to find a lead singer with that first name. <laughs> what a coincidence. I mean, you know, you put an ad out, your name yeah. of your band is Susie and the, and the yeah. Banshees, and then Susie Sue comes in, and she's like, wow, what are the odds? And you're just like, oh, thank, you know, match Wait, your, name, your name's Fred, and the band's called Right Said Fred. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did that happen? How did that happen? Um, she, uh, she later went on to um, form two bands. I mean, she was uh, the lead singer, obviously, of, of the Banshees, but then she also, with her husband, uh, Budgie, uh, had another band called The Creatures, um, which was a little bit different. But Susie is so amazing as a front woman for uh, everything she's done. She has, like, this constantly mutating punk rock, new wave, goth kind of voodoo, exotica thing. And that's just like the image that she kind of changes and um, projects like on stage. But then she also has just this amazing voice that kind of uh, can be very deep and very haunting, uh, but then kind of get really high up there. And just she can just uh, just really belt it out as just like a rocker on stage. And, you know, back in the late 70s when punk rock started in England um, and uh, New York, you know, I'm sure that she was one of very few like um, punk rock singers uh, that was just, that had a, a woman as the front, you know, maybe um, there are a few others, but you know, in a, an era that was then dominated by, I'm sure the Sex Pistols and uh, the Ramones and who knows uh, who else, you know, here comes this woman that is just, uh, she's just out of this world in everything that she does. And I, I, I just love how she has kind of constantly, I think this is a theme that seems to happen in a lot of my choices. It's just kind of evolved within, um, within the music industry. Um, you know, one of her, their first big songs, um, Spellbound, is just like this kind of, uh, the Banshees, is just like this kind of driving uh super frenetically paced uh, just kind of punk uh, like new wave song and then you get to some of their later work like um, Peekaboo and it's just like this kind of looping kind of sounds like it's played backwards big accordion song with just like these kind of seemingly voodoo type lyrics and it's just it's and she can cover both so well and I just think that she is just incredible 
cool. Yeah, right, Susie, <clears throat> Susie was on the, uh, was part of the uh, interview that the Sex Pistols did with Bill Grundy, the infamous mm -hmm. interview that he did, they did on British television where they started swearing and kind of the whole thing went off the rails. She was part of the, not really part of the group, but she was part of the social circle. So they had her on the air and actually the hosts, what kind of set everyone off is the host started like leering at her and making these kind of rude comments to her. And then that's what got everyone else so upset. And she obviously doesn't need anyone to defend her. She can defend herself very well. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. So it was kind of the sexism. Um, what, when I think of, of almost, Michael was almost bringing up the, one of the interesting aspects of punk, which was uh, a musical phenomenon is breaking from norms and trying to challenge norms. And, uh, but yet, uh, like a lot of, um, inter like a lot of musical groups, it was still, f they were still often dominated by a, a male frontman. But, uh, yeah, it's a funny thing to see, to think of them, the Ramones is coming to your defense. <laughs> the, well, the knights in shining armor. Well, and uh, one of the things about Susie, like Michael said, is I, I she's very much a chameleon. Mm -hmm. And that was very much at the vanguard of whatever the times were. You know, Peekaboo is something Michael mentioned. That's a dance song mm -hmm. for a lot, in a lot of ways. And you contrast that with a lot of the earlier stuff, whether it's punk or whether it's, you know, proto-goth. You know, she was just, she is somebody who had, has the ability to be able to understand where the cultural zeitgeist is going. Yeah. And really fucking nail it. Yeah. One one of my one of my favorite like uh Susie and the Banshee stories was that at some point like um you know, the cure was pretty big at the time too, and at some point Robert Smith just kind of um started playing with the Banshees as well, as just like their guitarists. And so he would open for them with the cure and then would wander back on stage, you know, after the break and pick up the guitar and was just like their their touring guitarist for a period. That like That's they were awesome. so much they were so much bigger than the cure for a little bit of time that he was just like, Oh yeah, the cure was opening for Susie. But then he was just like going back and forth between them. I, I'd be interested if in any of the choices that you pick for female rockers, um, are, are they all the guitarists and was Susie Sue a guitarist? Uh, I don't believe so. I oh, think okay. she was just the lead singer, but so, you, no, you know, no. there's, there's so many, there's so many artists that play music, uh, on uh, an album, but just don't on stage. They'll have like a touring guitar. Yeah. So she may, she might. I'm sure she contributed musically um, just as so many um, uh, sing singers do. But yeah. uh, I don't ever remember seeing her with a guitar. Yeah. You so, know, it's funny, Jeff. I actually had to look that up myself because I was like, which one of the, I don't know. It doesn't. You know, it's not like it's a deciding factor. But I did find some pictures of her with a guitar so maybe she did once in a while play hmm. yeah i i i am interested in what does a female rocker make and does it need to be a front person maybe uh does it need to be a uh, person who actually writes a singer songwriter actually writes the music i don't know could be um yeah. i think we all know it when we see it like uh of somebody who encapsulates the anger and aggression of rock and roll, well, for sure, I I think so, or, or kick and can command a stage and an audience. So, Manfredi, what's your first choice? I'm gonna work backwards, 
from most recent to kind of earliest. Um, so my first one is St. Vincent. All right. uh, also on my list. Oh, oh okay. All right. It's not that surprising, I guess, Michael. I know you're a, I know you're a big fan of hers. Um, you know, most of us know her as one of the guitar players from the Polyphonic Spree. No, that's not where most of us know her from, <laughs> although, although that was where she got her was start. Is that true? Yeah. yeah, she was one of the, and for a while, she was one of the 50 or 60 band members in the Polyphonic Spree. And the 10th Alto. Yeah, I mean, I think I was in the Polyphonic Spree for a little bit. Some people were in the, were in the band. Um, I... I, we've talked about on the show that it's hard for new music to kind of break through with me at this point. I'm almost going to be 45. I've just kind of got this block in front of me that's just really hard to penetrate. And St. Vincent's one of the exceptions to the rule. I just find her to be so fascinating. Um, you talk about her as a singer, a songwriter, a very accomplished guitar player as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, somebody who's, I, I think it's, I think of as an iconoclast in a lot of ways. Like their her songs sound different than anyone else's songs. Like I can, you can hear a Saint Vincent song and pretty much immediately lock into it that it's a Saint Vincent song. Um, very much the sort of combination, kind of edgy rock, kind of art rock with some dance elements to you know, kind of uh, art pop kind of elements to it as well. I would say, you know, I think. I, I think of her, I think it's very interesting that I know, Michael, you saw her tour with David Byrne, right? Uh, yeah, I've seen her play solo a couple of times in different concerts and then um, saw her when she did the, um, the yeah, the, the David Byrne thing at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, and I think I, I think of her in some ways as being sort of a, a, an heir to the throne of David Byrne from Talking Heads, if you will. I think they both have very unique styles and very herky-jerky kind of rhythms you know very angular guitars and i just i i just think she's she's one of the most talented musicians of our generation full stop male female i don't care yeah she definitely um uh you know being having seen her in concert a couple of times uh or i saw her in concert like kind of on either side of playing with david byrne and her her kind of art rock little her art rockness definitely kind of uh, t- tuned up i wonder if it was just um being exposed to whatever um, <laughs> radiation david byrne gives off is secondhand but, burn. <laughs> yeah she, she got secondhand burns um but she's just so phenomenal as like a stage performer with uh, there's a certain sense of like uh, choreography that she um has within each album she just keeps kind of changing and adding just such depth um, as a performer, as a guitarist. Um, I believe that she has kind of designed her own guitars because she was kind of fed up with the way that um, guitars that were built for like a man's body were never considered to be built for a woman's. And she just like, she has her like St. Vincent style guitar that she designed and built with. Um, I can't remember who was it with, but she's just like, that's how into it she is. And um, she is just uh, so good. Just so good. (laughs) Uh, You know, Michael kind of brought up an interesting aspect of, uh, actually Richard, I think, 
started by talking about how kind of calcified one's musical tastes become after a certain mm. age. Any new music has to compete with the best of four decades worth of music. And it's hard to open the door to uh, somebody just kind of trying something um, because it's it's almost like every meal, every new meal has to be better than every meal that you ever had or better than the best one. So I, I, I'm fascinated by the role of the, the female rocker and all the things that St. Vincent has to be before some people will let her just rock, you know, like you have to be attractive. You have to be, have an interesting visual, not have to, but it helps if you have an interesting visual presence to cut through this kind of, um, uh, very image based, um, marketing strategy that, that people have. Um, you have to maybe be, be unique. You have to find some kind of new way to sell, the uh this idea of this rock and roll medium it's really kind of um i don't know it's almost 100 years old so uh, mickey do you recall it being kind of hard to um to just get out there on stage and do your thing like you have to be you have to do so many other things oh do you well recall? yeah because i was involved with so many other things so it kind of uh i it all kind of came together you know like mm -hmm. the look with you know i i i at the time when I was really in the industry doing a lot, um, people would kind of come down on me like, well, what are you? Are you a model? Are you a musician? They, it's like they didn't want me to do multiple things and have them tied together. Now it's fine. But it, it, it was weird. I had people actually confused by what I was trying to do. I was like, well, I want to do many things, you know? Yeah. Are you a singer? Are you a guitarist? Are you this or that? So it's times have changed. I really feel old these days. I'm like, times have changed so much that it's, it's very shocking. Now I feel like everything, you know, you can, everything goes, you know, mm -hmm. and there's so many female musicians now, like it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I will say the, the, especially in her music video work, St. Vincent almost has this, uh, almost art school a la David Byrne, uh, very polished uh, presence and um, very coiffed, very presented kind of presence, not unlike a, like a pop star you would expect from like a Katy Perry or something like that, but it definitely has more of an edge, almost like she's channeling Patti Smith or something like that along, along the way. There's, so, there's something Lynchian, David Lynchian about a lot of her music videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think is intentional. Yeah. Uh, so cool. So, uh, all right. Um, you guys throw in there something. Oh, lay it I on us. Checking out her guitar playing. It's really unique. Um, I was really yeah. impressed, really impressed. Um, and I think, is she the one that was on the uh, Grammys? I was really, really impressed by her. Yeah. There was a video that I clicked on where she's, she's showing a guy her different voicings and chord fingerings and the guy's trying to figure out like what, what the heck are you playing? So yeah, it's, it's odd, but in a good way. Yeah, definitely made the instrument her own. Yeah, uh, super cool. Richard, what do you got? All right, so we go back a little bit uh, into the '80s and early '90s. I am going to choose Exine Cervenka, sweet lead lead singer, co-lead singer, co-lead songwriter of the uh, uh, beloved Los Angeles punk band X. Yeah, this oh. is definitely a regional pick for sure. Yeah, love, love love acts, and but this is this is definitely like 
you got to be in it to really love Exine and X. Yeah, like if if you're if you grew up within driving distance of Los Angeles, <laughs> you probably had several albums. If you didn't, I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Um, but you look at a song like Los Angeles, which I think is probably the X song that most people, if they know an X song, that's the song they're going to know. Um, co-written with her and her at the time uh, husband John Doe, um, and. He's got this, he had this very kind of greaser, cool kind of vibe to him. He had like the greased up pompadour and he would have like the the denim, den, a lot of time like denim shirts that are unbuttoned. And he kind of had that very rockabilly kind of almost singing style to him. And Xene was definitely more of an untrained kind of wild card factor with her singing. Um, she got to be a much better singer as the, uh, as her career went on. But it really was about the force of her presence for the early part of her career. She was someone who just was a, especially if you watch any of their live shows uh, from that early, you know, 1978, 79, around that time period. I mean, she's just, you can't take your eyes off of her. She is like this very, like, almost violent kind of onstage presence. But at the same time, also capable of writing these incredible lyrics. Um, my favorite X song is a song called The Half Knots. And it's sung by John Doe, but it's written by Exine Cervenka. And it's this great kind of almost proto-Americana type song. Um, and I just love it. And I, I didn't realize it was an Exine written song for years. Because uh-huh. John Doe sang it, so I assumed it was one of his songs. But nope, it's an Exine song. And I, I think that she to me rep- represents a lot of the best of what punk rock could be. I mean, it, it, her 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 lyrics and her writing were very much influenced by a lot of poets. So there was something trying to be more aspirational than just you know bashing out these real basic lyrics to go along with your three chord songs. And I just, I just think that she's, I think she's fantastic. I've seen X live several times. They always put on a good show, even though they're now probably G's in their 60s at this point, and still able to do it at a at the highest level every time I've seen them play. So, yeah, absolutely, just a huge X fan, and it, therefore a huge X scene fan. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think uh, Richard, you're talking about her song, right? Actually, I've seen her playing guitar, at least acoustic, in some uh, videos. Uh, so there's there's that uh, part of my, my theory, or the the, uh, the the universal theory of uh, of what it makes a female rocker. But also that entire band seems to have uh, some deep, deep skills. Uh, multi-instrumentalists in that band do the deep, deep skills <laughs> that band has. Like, Punk, punk bands usually don't have those kind of chops. So yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, you've got you have this weird rockabilly guy as your lead guitar player. You've got drummer who also uh, dabbles as a jazz like uh, xylophonist in his spare time. Yeah, you know, it's just all over the place. DJ plays clarinet or something. Yeah, something weird <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, cool. So, such a cool band. I, Mickey, I think you're from Chicago. I'm from Kansas City, so X was not part of my vocabulary growing up. What about you? Yeah, I'm from Springfield. I, I wish oh, okay. I could be in Chicago. Springfield is the red, redneck. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Cornfield, 
Um, <laughs> but um, no, I did not know of them. But what I checked out was pretty damn cool. And oh, I like yeah. what you're saying about the whole, like the different, almost different kind of genres each musician had. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, bringing bringing to the form of rock the this depth of uh, influence and, and background. It's super cool. Uh, all right, so it looks like we are then at our halftime, and at this point we're going to ask you to go back and download, rate, and review previous episodes. We'd appreciate that. Uh, seriously, we do want to know what you think. Uh, let us know if you like something or where we could improve. And then go out on our social handles and get in a dialogue with us. Let us know topics for future episodes. We really uh, do care. We really do go out there and read comments and, and things. We're not too busy leading our celebrity lives to uh, to be in a conversation with uh, the folks that listen to our podcast. Hey, I live, a, I live a rock and roll lifestyle, Jeff. So I've got, so <laughs> I've, got, I've got more important things to do. That's I right. Yeah. I let my little people handle that. Yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll summarize them when we talk. I'll read <laughs> yeah, them. And please, I'll please do. The feedback and talk. Um, so that would be super cool if you would do that. And with that, we are back and we are chatting about female rockers. And we have a certified female rocker on the line uh, in the form of Mickey Black. Mickey, where can people find you out on social media? They can find me on Instagram as Mickey Black Official, M-I-K-I Black Official. And on Facebook, it is Reversed Official Mickey Black. Oh, cool. So I'm not on Twitter, I, or I am, but I went away from it, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> good, for, good for you. Yeah, good call. <laughs> I spent the entire Trump administration avoiding, avoiding <laughs> that platform completely. Uh, so one, a couple of things I'm, I'm interested in is what you got to be to be a uh, female rocker. And I, I will confess that sometimes uh, it is a cheat. I will look up our topic, whatever that topic is, uh, that is going to be on the Matt Rushmore podcast. I'll look it up out there and see what comes up. And, you know, like Stevie Nicks comes up for female rocker or uh, Linda Ronstadt comes up for female rocker. And I know they, they work in the milieu of rock and roll. But I don't know if they, I don't think they fit this prototype in my brain, you know, of uh, mm. usually leather clad, black jeans, usually brunette, I think. Um, is yeah, that I'm going go, I'm gonna go four for four on like uh, almost leather clad brunettes for, for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, we yep. have Lita Ford though. We're missing a big one. Lita Ford. That's right. The blonde. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. Really uh, is an excellent guitarist. Absolutely. Uh, so... I, I love to know when things derivate from the form. And also, uh, not that the Rock Hall of Fame is any kind of uh, barometer, right? I know, I know, I know. But I, I will say the, the, it is very, the women who are in the Rock Hall of Fame are very, very much deserving uh, of, of their place. And, but I would, I would say that if you define what rock is it has all these influences this is a big stew of all this different stuff they are de definitely more the earlier ones at least seated in the kind of the roots of it so aretha franklin tina turner you know the, all these women who are in the rock hall of fame predate punk for the most part uh yeah but uh, yeah except for one i think who knows we might talk about so um 
the arch there's the archetype and then there's as always those things that defy the archetypes uh richard no winfield what do you got my third choice is uh karen o from the yeah yeah yes and uh karen o it's just one of those you know so many of my choices as uh we mentioned there definitely is a like a theatricality to it and you know being part of rock and roll there is like this you know the, the person is at the front of the stage and they are just commanding the entire stage it doesn't matter how many members in your band the yeah yeah yes had three members but they're totally faded to the background the second she walks out on stage and performs and just dominates everything and i think that is such an important part being a rock star and rocker in this case and female rocker even more diluted it's just you are there and every, the spotlight is on you and you have to um just rise to the occasion and karen O is just so phenomenal at it but she has like this uh great duality of being really tough really intense really loud really brash but then she is equally just um oh what's the word she is so vulnerable and i think that like in the these kind of great tradition of like you know uh, these big rock bands that put out these big heavy songs and then they have like these ballads i think that she does both aspects of like rock and roll so well and you know sure she comes out of like a new york kind of post-punk post-new wave early 2000s kind of art rock scene to a degree she just sings so incredibly and so like viscerally and i'm going to tell one story about why uh she possibly this went on stage that i've ever seen is in 2004 i saw her with the yeah yeah yeah's perform in seattle and she came out on stage and was just tearing it up. And at some point, she, they started playing a song called Art Star. And it's this kind of song that's very, uh, it starts out kind of like meandering. And it's kind of not very, the entire song isn't really elegant. It's just kind of like, it's there. And it's like making fun of like pompous art kids, art school kids, like rich art school kids. And then she takes like nearly the entire microphone, at least the head of the microphone, has the entire thing in her mouth, just hands free, and just starts screaming uh, the title "Art Star." Just as if you've ever heard the song, it just—it's so loud and so vocally like destroying, and it, it was just the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was just like, ah, oh, I—I'm—I'm in awe of this person. Just the performance of it. And um, I've just loved their music, all all of the stuff that they, they put out with um, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, um, except their last album, Mosquito, was kind of eh, not that great. But um, she's been able to kind of uh, continue as this amazing kind of front woman, but also do like weird stuff with um, Spike Jones. She did like all the music for um, Where the Wild Things Are, which I thought was kind of just a weird oh. movie, but the music was just... Yeah, but mm -hmm, she's 
she sung all the songs for that. And the, the music was great. I didn't really uh, like the movie all that much. And um, she put out something with Danger Mouse last year or oh. a year and a half ago, something like that, where she just she's just very like diverse and just I don't know. She's just she's just awesome. And I love just these awesome people that aren't like never feel stuck, never feels like um, caught um, unable to perform in any way. And I think that's what kind of rock and roll is about. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I, I do feel like rock is not dissimilar to many other uh, endeavors. I, one thing I'll say is uh, rock is kind of an aggressive act, or I think performing is kind of aggressive act. And I think for a woman in this, uh, unfortunately, this kind of toxic masculine uh, veneer that we still have on our culture, for a woman to command a stage and uh, demand that, every person, female, male, um, be under her control as the lead singer to own the audience. She almost has to work twice as hard because there's a bunch of douche nozzle dudes out there who've got their arms folded and are saying, you're not Mick Jagger. <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't rock my face off. It's like, well, uh, clearly it sounds like from the moment you described with Karen O, she had the skill, she had the charisma, she had the energy, and she had the sheer power of will to bend the audience to her, <laughs> to her um, demands that uh, they they take heed of of the yeah yeah yeahs. Ricky, uh, sorry, Mickey. Uh, how many times <laughs> you have like you combined the two of us? I did, I did. <laughs> M- Mickey, tell me what you tell me some rock and roll tricks. To, what what what's something you sometimes do to rock out like? Uh, is it head bashing? Is 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 there something uh, like a, a strum the guitar and then do a scissor kick in the air or something like that? Do you have any rock no, and roll? I can trick? only wish I could jump like David Lee Roth, and I can't. <laughs> I actually, I kind of did not. I do not move around a ton. I'm yeah. I'm a, kind of a stoic player standing you want to be a musician uh, head, movements are good. head movements are always you know throwing yeah. the hair around we got to do that but uh, I, i'm not a, a trick person i don't have not lots a, of i'm just a player not a show pony yeah yeah I, um, my look though i always you know i always have to have the look down that's important mm-hmm. yeah uh i will say that um uh, Mickey has maybe underplayed a little bit some of the aspects of her career and uh, modeling and whatnot. I think it was on one of her social handles that somebody posted a photo of a tattoo that they got of, <laughs> of Mickey Black. And I think there might be more than one person out there on the planet who has a, a Mickey Black tattoo. Is, is that right, Mickey? As yeah, creepy as that makes sense? Artist Dave Nessler that I worked with for years, we would he would paint me and somehow i guess through his the shows that he would do for his art um the tattoo community picked up and there's a couple images that one me holding a guitar um schoolgirl uh schoolgirl outfit um and they got tattooed on probably 30 people holy crazy yeah it, got, it became a thing it just became a thing the images he did were so were so 
he just did such a great job. They're almost like logos. They almost came, they're, they're, he painted them very realistically, but the, the poses and everything about them was, was just, mm -hmm. just I autumn. iconic. Wow. I didn't want to say that about myself. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, iconic. Maybe was, like. A loss of words there. For me. I was like, that's, that's cool. It's uh, good. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Uh, okay, uh, Richard, what are you, what's your next choice? All right, my next choice is Christy Hind from The Pretenders. Yes. Oh, awesome. I felt like this was, this was, this was actually, she was the reason why I came up with this topic in the first place, was I was listening to, I, I was listening to Sirius XM. I can't remember what station, it might have been the 80s station, it might have been First Wave. And uh, Time of the Avenger came on. And I just thought, that's a great song. Then I started thinking about all these other Pretender songs. I was like, yep, that's a great song. Yeah. Yeah, that song fucking rocks. Yeah, that does too. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's just like a dozen songs that are all just absolute crushes. Yeah. I think Chrissy Hyde is one of the most underrated songwriters of all time. You know, beyond being a front woman and a singer and having this very distinctive, unique vocal style where you can kind of hone in on what a Christy Hines song, what a Pretender song sounds like, you know, immediately because of her voice. I, I just think as a songwriter, you know, she's just a great rock and roll songwriter. And I know that she kind of came up in the, she was in England, she's an American who was in England during the punk rock movement. And that's kind of where the types of clubs where she got her start I don't consider them to be a punk band. I don't consider them to be a new wave band. I think they're just a top five all-time rock and roll band. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I it, for me at least would certainly be in that in that in that conversation. I, I just yeah. I think her ability to write a to just to write a riff is pretty unparalleled. Oh yeah, Mickey, are you a fan? I am a fan. Yes, I. I am definitely a fan and I think her style is, and it's very commercial. I mean, I guess the stuff I know, gosh, I probably shouldn't say that there's probably a lot that's not, but yeah, I'm definitely, I've been a fan for many years. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I think finding it's funny. Her and Petty were people who had found success and an audience in England and then were then transmitted over to the U.S. as what felt like a new wave group until people kind of realized mm. what they were. Oh, this is some guy from Gainesville. <laughs> or this right. Gal <laughs> from Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, both the Pretenders and Tom Petty. I remember my brother, who was a, we've talked about a lot on the show, was my my older brother, who was the cool music conduit for me. Um, they were two more kind of what you would call classic rock artists that he kind of was like, yeah they're cool yeah you know they they were they were the the rock band that the new wave kids could still get behind mm -hmm. or the punk rock kids could get behind yeah um, i think chrissy hind has also always kept i mean uh some of these i don't know how far i don't know if she was on campus during kent state like uh uh i when you hear um, Joe Walsh uh, hear mark Mothersbaugh of devo talk about uh, these ohio area uh, musicians who were impacted by uh, uh, students being murdered, <laughs> the protests, right, 
and Chrissy Hine has always retained her um, uh, uh, politics as a big part of her songwriting, but also injecting them with these heartfelt, soul, soulful um, topics. So they like uh, kid talk of the town, you know, like the uh, brass, brass in pockets, pocket. like just yeah. such heartfelt. You you know you're a badass when you can go on stage and bear your soul like that and your lyrics just aren't a fuck you uh, shield that you put up uh, between yourself and your audience. So, yeah, she's always been... And, and she's playing those rhythm riffs, you know. Um, uh, uh, Talk of the Town is her... It's That's her rhythm guitar. It's not like she's delegating that responsibility to somebody else, even on stage now. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool. She's like Chuck Berry. She's a great rhythm guitar player. Yeah. You know, Chuck Berry yeah. was not a great lead guitar player. I don't remember Christy Hine playing a lot of lead. Mm-mm. But no. there's something to be said for being a great rhythm guitar player. That's a hard... That's mm-hmm. a very hard thing to do. And I think she's really underratedly great at it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mickey, uh, I want to make sure that we don't get all... This is not the mansplaining episode of the Mount right. <laughs> We're going to mansplain <laughs> female rock uh, rockers to folks. So I want to make sure that before we get off, you uh, inject the conversation with some female rockers that you might be afraid we won't mention. And I think Lita Ford was one that you brought up uh, can you can you tell me about her her history? Was she in a group perhaps before she went oh, on? Oh, uh, she was in the Runaways. Yes, cool. Uh, what do you like about Lita Ford? Well, I'll be honest. Back in the day, I was kind of a an asshole. I I was like I was into such all the male groups: Iron Maiden, um, Ozzy, uh, Black Sabbath a lot of classic stuff zeppelin and and uh judas priest brush and for some reason i i don't know why i wasn't actually into the 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 female rockers Mm -hmm. it was weird and uh once i finally was like why am why am i doing that i paid attention and and realized some of them are pretty amazing and lita ford is a the guitar is what is impressive to me her guitar Mm -hmm. skills um and then uh heart big oh yeah yeah both of them they're both amazing just Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing blown away by ann wilson's voice i mean who can who can top that really that's Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorites um and joan jett see i didn't like joan actually this is why this is the real reason I, every time I would tell people that I'm I play guitar, they would always say Joan Jett. Every oh like Joan Jett, I had black hair. It just happened to be that's who they could think of. Lita Ford and Joan Jett were the two back in the '80s that were out there in terms of I'm talking about just rockers, heavy metal rock. And and um, so I was always compared to them, and it started it was annoying. Uh-huh. I'm not saying I I, I played you know, like them. It was just, I, I'm a female rocker. So that's who they're going to categorize me. So I started getting like, no, I'm me, you know, stupid really. And then I, I I learned to really, really respect them. So yeah, Joan Jett's, you know, another one. That's amazing. Of course, Stevie Nicks. Love her. Amazing. 
So yeah, I'm I'm going back to the you know the the classics. And then we've got yeah. Debbie Harry Blondie. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. She's she's. I think another Ohioan. Is she an Ohioan? Pittsburghian. No, that. Yeah. And then you know it was funny because when I was looking up, just to refresh, you know, who or even see who who was considered rock, I was getting disgusted, and I knew this was going to happen because Madonna's name popped up. I'm like, oh, yeah. why Avril Avril Lavigne? I <laughs> no, why? And I was getting really annoyed because some of the names popping up. I'm like, that is not cool. That is not yeah. rock. You know, so it was very, very interesting. Uh, okay, uh, Michael Winfield, what is your final choice? And and uh, alert, alert, uh, Mickey Black, we are going to have to, between the two of us, uh, choose four winners. So um, we know yeah. these are not the winners of uh, only, <laughs> that doesn't mean they're the best or most okay. or whatever. They'll just be the one who won. So um, Winfield, what's your final selection? Um. It was funny. Earlier in this conversation, Richard kind of alluded to this aspect of like being in your 40s and like being stuck in your um, musical um, what what have yous. Like you're just you you've decided what you like and you are not going to pursue that. I have this exact opposite um, thing that I do, and um, it's all thanks to um, like Apple Music. And we're not getting any sort of we're not getting paid by Apple Music to promote this <laughs> aspect. But when like <laughs> but when like you're signing up for the yet yet, yeah, here you go. But when you kind of sign up for their kind of whatever you have, um, the you know, their subscription service or whatever, you kind of put in, Oh, what kind of music do you like and what kind of bands do you like and this and that and you kind of these little cute bubbles pop up and you're like, Oh, I like this and this and here's Modest Mouse and here's Susie and the Banshees, and here's the Smiths, and here's la 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 da, and then it all kind of takes it all in. It's like, thanks, and then you start getting like kind of boring playlists based on your own music at first. Oh, yeah. But every week they have this new thing, and I've been listening to it for the last few years, which is just like music that we think you'll like, and it's just this playlist that's auto-generated. It comes out every Friday, and um, on it. You know, there's like 40 different songs or whatever, and they always change. This is a lot of like prelude. I feel like this is like the first nine minutes to like the Lord of the Rings, where we're talking about how we got to <laughs> the Shire. <laughs> um, but but we're um, but so so music is constantly like being pumped into my head, and a lot of it I hate. I hate. I hate. Just boring. It's just or just like it. There algorithm is just wrong but every once in a while there's something that's like really incredible that pops up and, and i'll throw it into like another playlist that is called um new music i like it's just the stuff out of let's just the filtered down stuff and then i heard this incredible song by um uh hold on i'm gonna find out which one it was i'm looking through my playlist real quick it was this song uh comeback kid and it was by an artist named Sharon uh, Van Etten. And she, I hadn't heard anything like it. It was like pure rock and roll. It was just super emotional uh, lyrics, super guitar driven, um, well produced, just incredible. And like, uh, she's this very interesting kind of 
coming out of like a kind of indie folk tradition um, songwriter, you know, singer songwriter that her first album from about a decade ago was pretty simple, you know, very heartfelt, very straightforward. But then in 2019, she put out this album called remind me tomorrow. And this thing is just, it's so just kick ass. And there's a couple of songs that are just incredible. Come back kid. And, um, 17, um, 17 is this, uh, kind of just driving ballad about what she imagines these conversations she's going to have with her, um, future daughter, who's going to grow up to be like her and make all the same sort of mistakes that she made. But she is just so like, it was such a transformation from like her. I went back and listened to like her early stuff to her newer stuff. And like her early stuff is, is a lot more in kind of like a indie and kind of folk driven thing. And this thing was just rock and roll. And I love this idea. And I realized later, like as we were talking about these female rockers as someone that has transformed, just has this great presence and, um, I don't know. I just, I love the, I, I love finding new music this way. I'm just like filtering out um, like uh, new artists or new artists into things that I like. And I found that so many new artists that I do like are like, are uh, female uh, oh, yeah. artists. It, I shouldn't yeah. be surprised by that. And I don't think I am surprised by that, but it just, over and over where it's like Molly Birch or whether it's this um, Mia Folic or whether it's just kind of looking through um, uh, a band called Tides or whether it's um, uh, by Beneco, all these different new artists, all the stuff I like is written by and performed uh, by women. And it's just, uh, there feels like a really interesting, like, uh, I don't want to say like a renaissance, but just like this new influx of like what I like is what women are putting out there. And yeah. um, Sharon Van Etten is just incredible. Go go find this, her latest album. And it's just, it's just great. And I don't know. And I just, I, it's one of those things like I, I wouldn't be surprised if she put out, continued to put out more stuff like this because it was just uh, really spoke to me. Cool. I think uh, I did click on a few videos and leather-clad, rocking, uh, dark-haired, <laughs> commanding the stage. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Do you think there's some something that women are allowed to do with art or with rock or with music right now that is a kind of in a renaissance? Um, is it that uh, you just find yourself kind of tired of the same old stuff that the the dudes in rock are putting out there or music? I think there, I think there's that, but I also think that there is a freedom to produce things that you want to produce, whether it's like, you know, kind of this pro tool setup where like, you know, people that are making music are making it from their bedrooms and garages, but they're not sounding like from their bedrooms and garages. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think that there's definitely, yeah. there's definitely a self ownership and a self production that, I'm sure, you know, um, Mickey might know as someone who's been in the industry. So I think that there is an element of um, self-production in uh, you're making these 
things within your home with Pro Tools. You're you're playing music and recording music at an almost professional sounding level, and you don't have to go into, you know, a traditional studio to do it, or you don't have to, you know, sign the big record contract and, you know, whether it's you know you're you're getting eight hundred thousand dollars or one point two million to, you know, be signed by whoever Sony Warner music or whatever and have to pay it back. And it's just like, you're just making stuff that sounds as good at home. And I think that it takes away. Um, I, I think the ownership goes back to the actual artists rather than, I don't know, at least that maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong. I, I've never spent any time within the music industry. So yeah. I don't know. I do find myself a little bit weary of the, uh, the, some of some of like where the lyrics go in most male <laughs> rock. <laughs> I I've spent mm. fifty one and a half years of my life as a male, and I'm not too interested in hearing that uh, uh, kind of posturing uh, <laughs> toxic masculinity anymore. So it is always very fun to hear a, a woman's perspective. Not that women don't have the same damn primal urges that dudes do, but uh, it's uh, it's it's really fun, kind of fun to actually learn something and get some insight. In, in my rock and roll. Mickey, are you a songwriter? Ever? I'm not necessarily more lyrics. I, I love writing poetry, mm-hmm. writing song lyrics, uh, but I cannot claim that I'm a writer. Yeah. Is it, I wonder which you would think is more hard, like to come up with some kind of riff versus actually coming up with an original thought to lend to the genre of rock and roll. It seems like most of the topics have been covered, but uh, uh, and musically, rock can uh, can fit within certain templates, uh, and it's hard to break out of it. But uh, um, I, I, I'm fascinated by people who can come up with something interesting and original in a in a genre that's been around for so long. Yeah, for me, I have so many crazy life experiences that I draw from that, yeah. uh, and I've had so many and. Yes, many have been covered, but I, 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 it's almost like the, the era combined with the experience, and that's how I, how I write when I write lyrics. Um, but yeah, I have to laugh because growing up, I was listening to like, like Motley Crue and stuff like that, and when I listen to the lyrics, and I'm singing along like I'm a guy or something, they're talking about banging chicks and all this and drugs and all that. I'm like, it's yeah funny when I look back because you know how there there's so many things now that they're banning this and canceling that but if you listen like old school rock and roll almost every song at this point you'd be like oh oh that's bad 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 every single yeah. it's hilarious it actually makes me laugh because it's it's so not as sex drugs and rock and roll you know there we yeah go. yeah uh, you were you weren't singing "She's My Cherry Pie." You were like, like no, and I didn't like that song. I thought that song was cheesy. And a lot of the um, songs that all the girls would like of rock, I think that was my laptop. Sorry. But um, I didn't like those typically. Um, oh, like you shook me, ACDC. All the girls go ah, and they'd start dancing. I, I those were the songs. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> That's I did, like funny. a Those... lot of Iron Maiden songs about Greek mythology. <laughs> oh, nice. And like, yeah, there, there's, I, I, I always listen to the lyrics too. That was a big thing for me. They're 
I've heard many musicians say that lyrics are not important. Mm -hmm. And for me, they are very important. I, every song I've, I've ever liked, I will look up the lyrics or, you know, listen and see what it's about. It, it does to me make a big difference. Oh, for sure. Uh, and sometimes in the milieu of rock where musically some songs can be similar, the, the lyrics are what really makes a statement and uh, makes one song different from the other. Uh, so let's get our last choice in from our friend Richard Manfredi. So I'm going to choose someone that, Mickey, you uh, you referenced earlier. Uh, Madonna. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> yeah, hey, I do that. like Madonna, just not for rock. Although, to be right. fair, Ray of Light is kind of a banger. I am choosing Joan Jett for my last choice. Sweet. Um, I know I could have, you know, in terms of the runaways, you could have gone really any of them were badasses. Um, knowing what they had to put up with just with Kim Fowley yeah. alone. <laughs> having surviving surviving him yeah. was a, uh, a, 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 a feat unto itself. Uh, but I just think for someone who has been doing it for as long as she has and is still, you know, I've seen some concert clips of her recently, still puts on a fantastic show. And I love the fact that um, I believe after Bad Reputation came out, she just said, oh, that's a good groove. And she has done every song that she has recorded since then, basically is just re-recording Bad Reputation. <laughs> I mean, even the even the cover songs, like like I I know there's like a cheap trick cover that she I think she did surrender, but it sounds pretty much exactly like that same straight eight sort of thing for Bad Reputation, just with different a different slightly different melody and different lyrics. I, I'm fascinated by artists who just kind of like have their, you know, like Bo Diddley had the Bo Diddley beat, and that's what he did, and he didn't really try to do something different he knew what, what he knew what he was good at and he did it well and i think joan jett very much falls into that category of somebody who found their musical style find what found what works for them and just continues to do it and yeah she just seems like personally just a real badass oh yeah I agree on that yeah she she has her own style you could hear two two words come out of a song and now oh, that's joan jett yep yeah, and she, you know, after the, the Runaways broke up, you know, she had trouble getting a, a solo record deal. So she and her producer basically started their own record label. Is that right? Oh. Yeah, Black Art Records. Um, oh. And they wound up kind of putting out I Love Rock and Roll, and it was a big hit, and Bad Reputation was a big hit, and it kind of turned her career around, and it was not something that she relied on someone else to do. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly in 1980 was an era where a female, you know, solo artist running their own co-running their own record label was just not something that was really even in the thoughts for most people uh -huh. i had so no that, idea that's amazing yeah i mean like i said just a complete badass on and off the stage yeah uh sherry ann curie being another blonde but a definitely another uh runaway but what i love about a song like cherry bomb i think that's a co-write with kim fowley is yeah, it's a rock and roll song, but it's and it's not it's not a song in which a the composer is not just emulating male rock. It's about this kind of kick ass kind of girl power, <laughs> you know. It's 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 got a girlness to it. 
that a guy could never do. Uh, and, right. and that's it, but yet it's aggressive and tough and it's an ass kicking song. So, uh, I think that's yeah. a pretty rad thing. Yeah. The, I was a fan of the Donnas who were this. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. The Donnas and, uh-huh. um, they have a, a very similar sort of thing. I mean, obviously they got a lot of comparisons, mm-hmm. uh, to the runaways, which I think some of them were unfair and probably hurt their career, but they had that same sort of, how do you take the kind of male macho swagger and apply that to a female perspective. And yeah. I think the Runaways did that very well as well. And, and musically, they were this kind of mix of, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of glam, a little bit of punk rock, you know, a little bit of just gutter rock and roll. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. You know, the Donnas were called the Electro Cutes before. No, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. Serious? Yeah. So they, I love oh, that they just, <laughs> they, they kind of got rid of that, that cute, oh. cute thing. Wow. Uh, so, uh, we're Mickey, you and I are about to choose the top four, uh, but this is kind of closing arguments. Um, uh, any other female rockers or any other influences or any, even, um, outside of, cause I think of, uh, uh, some of the, some of the discussion about who should be in the rock and roll hall of fame, who isn't, um, you know, Dolly Parton's is a rock and I love that her. Rock, that girl rocks. Loretta Lynn? Come on. Oh, uh, I, I love both of them, actually. Yeah. And I think about, uh, yes, it's female rockers, but it's also women who rock. And I think of how how the the lifestyle of a musician can be really challenging and how there are individuals who've stuck to their guns in a career that can take everything from you for multiple decades. And that is a rocking thing to be that is a strong and powerful thing to be music aside um i would like i would like to throw out there um catherine o'hara as a mickey crab in a mighty wind oh yeah she just (laughs) when she just says someone came up to me and she's like you you rock me you rock my world (laughs) and honestly as my just my favorite moment of that movie but i i think of this like oh someone just someone just rocks somebody just rocks they just rock so Mickey, I'm going to pick, I'm going to do the easy part. I'm going to pick one choice and that is the common choice for both Richard and Michael. And that is St. Vincent. So they will each get a point for that. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to really do us a solid here and pick three. Uh, and you get to select from the following Chrissy Hine, Joan Jett, Exine Cervenka from X, Susie Sue of Susie and the Banshees, Karen O from the IAS, or Sharon Von Etten. So uh, you get to pick three from those names. Okay, I, I'm going with Joan Jett. Sweet. Badass and a, you know, pioneer. Chrissy Hine. Nice. And just because I just, I like Karen O. From the nice. Yeah. Awesome. If you roll. Awesome. That is radical. So let's uh, raise a, a bottle of uh, Johnny Walker for these women who rock. And uh, uh, thank Mickey Black for being on our podcast this week. Really appreciate you uh, coming yeah, around. This is and great. Doing it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This was very, very fun been awesome so this has been the mount rushmore podcast i as always am jeff i'm richard i'm michael